This is Draco Malfoy and the Mirror of Isidaru by Star Bridget. Chapter 4 The Elves of Malfoy Manor. Draco was not going to let Father take his wand away from him. He let Father take him right back to the manor, leaving his other supplies for another day, if there was to be another day. He let Father herd him into a part of the dungeons where he had only ever dragged Draco before when he was truly angry like when he was kicked off the Hogwarts board, or when the mudblood got higher marks than Draco for the first time. It was not unfamiliar, the way Father dragged him down by the collar, not so different from how Draco had seen other Death Eaters drag prisoners into these cells last year. It was not unfamiliar to have Mother shooed away, and the doors spelled shut right behind them, or that demand to remove his robes and shirt right off that meant, invariably, Draco was about to be hurt. On the walk there, though, unlike any time before, Draco had shifted his wand from his robe to one of his side trouser pockets. Father didn't usually begin so quickly. Draco had barely taken his seat in that old, despised pinewood chair before Father rounded on him, with a demonic fierceness in his eyes that had used to scare Draco more. Draco had his wand at his side, though he didn't intend to pull it unless he thought he was about to ruin the future or die. It wasn't like he thought he could take Father in a duel, even with all the experience he had that Father didn't know about, and even with a wand that had done more dark things than Father could ever dream. Trying to duel Father would give so much away, he might as well shout to the rooftops he wasn't the real Draco Malfoy anymore. "'How did you find that wand?' Father hissed getting right in his face with that unsettling snarl. It made Draco remember Father's face the first time they ever visited him in Azkaban, stubble-covered and sunken like his own living ghost, enough bone showing through that it gave him a dead-eyed permanent snarl. How? Father repeated, and in an instant was brandishing his wand at Draco's chest. The thump of the cane falling to the ground followed. Draco's heart went insane like he hadn't expected, worse than it would have at eleven. Calm down, he told himself. He's not going to crucio you. He never did back then. He'll probably just use stinging hexes on your back. Compared to crucio, that's nothing, and he won't make you cast it on anyone. He definitely won't do the things with you cornered alone in a dungeon that Greyback would. No, there was nothing to be afraid of other than how little idea he had how to answer. His first instinct was the truth, and damn what happened to Dobby after. He didn't know if it had been against the rules, or just the spirit of them, for Dobby to help Draco the way he had. But no configuration of those would save Dobby from his father's wrath, a more convenient scapegoat than the only heir. At eleven... Draco might have enjoyed watching the elf take the punishment destined for Draco, before he had seen enough punishments to lose his taste for them. He would have turned Dobby over to Father anyway, if Dobby had been just any elf. But he was Potter's. He was meant to save Potter in the future, from this manner, from Aunt Bella with this terrible wand in her hand. Dobby was meant to be a war hero, bizarrely enough. And if Father hurt him too badly, or killed him, that might be enough to make Potter and his pet weasel and mudblood perish that night, because Salazar knew Draco would never have the strength, not if he travelled back and forth a thousand years 
to be the one to save them. Draco, the father snarled, I asked you a question. And Draco looked up with the shields falling into place in his mind that had in time learned to withstand even Aunt Bella. I found it, Draco said, in an old room, somewhere in the back halls of the manor. I just happened to. His story sounded implausible, though it was much like how he had happened upon the mirror that had got him into this. Why did you take it and do magic with it? Father asked, with barely constrained ferocity, beginning to pace around the small space before whirling on Draco again. Why? Why would you disobey us when you knew you were only to practice magic with myself or your mother? Draco tested his lying skills. I just wanted to be ready as soon as I could for Hogwarts, father, he said in a trembling voice. Because, because you always say my magic is so weak for a Malfoy, so I just wanted to start. The way father's face distorted with contempt showed he bought it, but his next question was all too well aimed. And so you wanted a wand, and like the spineless fool you are, you wandered around asking for someone to get you one. Did you get one of the house elves to show you? Who else could have? No, I told you I found it. It was in a glass case with a sword and some coins and things. I didn't know it was anyone's special wand. I thought it was really old, father. He let the childish whining note creep into his voice. A wayward young version of the son father knew, and not a stranger in this useless little body. I thought we kept all the dark objects in the cellars. I didn't think it would be there if it was... Silence! Father snapped and brandished his wand close to Draco's eyes. Draco didn't even have to pretend to flinch away. It is impossible to find that room on your own. There are charms to discourage visitors from just wandering in. Only myself and our elves would have access. And that glass was charmed. It was elf magic to remove it, wasn't it? Draco briefly considered throwing one of the other house elves to the wolves instead of Dobby. But if that creature was fool enough to sacrifice himself for Potter, like the world's sole house elf representative of Gryffindor, he could be the kind to find that out, and hurl himself on the sword anyway, rather than let one of his compatriots take the blame. I shattered the glass, father. That part was true. With wandless magic, he added, at father's contemptuous snort. You? Wandless magic? Father marvelled, beginning his pacing again. You have never been able to so much as summon a spark from your hands, and you expect me to believe you single-handedly shattered a glass case, enchanted to hold the darkest artefacts in Malfoy Manor? Draco nodded weakly, and Father lowered his wand, which boded worse rather than better to come, as it would have in any other man. Show me, then. Let's see this incredible wandless magic my master wizard of a son can now produce. Draco tried. He really did. Lumos, he said, trying to get light, or at least the sparks father had spoken of to come from his fingers. But they felt as dead as the ones had in Ollivander's. Incendio, he tried, visualising flames in the air like he had used to burn up so many notes. But without a wand in hand, there was nothing. Father barked out a chilling laugh that made it harder to remember the man he had been in Azkaban 
of course, not a drop of it. That does not surprise me. What does, Draco, is why in Salazar's name you would protect a house elf? He circled like a hawk, homing closer to its prey. Do you think it will be worse for you to admit that you used one of our elves, of all the lowest tricks and creatures you could have used, to defy my orders and profane a property I was personally charged with safekeeping? Father seemed to have lost track of his sentence. Do you think it will be worse than continuing to lie so brazenly to my face? Draco looked directly at him. He had to for there to be any chance of Father believing the lie. When he did, he saw on that face that there was no chance regardless, but at least he had looked him in the eye. I'm not lying, Father. Draco knew what Father was going to do even before he ordered Draco to turn and face backwards in the chair. Draco knew what Father was going to do even before he ordered Draco to turn and face backwards in the chair. When Draco didn't immediately obey, a wave of Father's wand sent the chair falling out from beneath Draco, and Draco trying to pick himself off the ground. At least he had his face off the floor, and was almost to his knees before the first wordless stinging hex hit him. Maybe Father was using his wand, or maybe he wasn't. He sometimes hadn't, and might not this time to make a point about how much more powerful he was than his son. The snapping force in the hex almost sent Draco's face into the stone again. The strength in these hexes, he remembered, often seemed to be proportional to how angry he had made his father. It felt like he had made him very angry. It was only two more stings of that invisible whip, though, before father's snarl sounded again. Count, insolent child, you are to count or I will repeat the blows. You will have ten. And now we begin again. Draco gritted his teeth, finding the stone felt very cold underneath his knees. He had thought this would be nothing compared to the Cruciatus curse, but he had not thought whether his eleven-year-old body, but he had not thought whether his eleven-year-old body would inherently be less able to tolerate pain than his older one. And he had forgotten the special sting the pain carried from the knowledge it came directly from his father's disgust in him. Yes, father, Draco said by rote, and Lucius hexed him again. One, he said obediently, and so on. His voice only broke on the count of six, which was actually nine if his maths wasn't already failing him. By the time father reached ten, he was breathing hard and gasping out the numbers. Father had usually started with five, and typically with far less strength behind the blows. Sometimes, by the time Father reached ten, Draco had already been at the point of sobbing, or begging Father to stop, or even writhing and collapsing or pissing himself. Now he felt only a prick of what could be tears at the back of his eyes, or could be anger. Well then, Draco, Father said, with only some of his irritation sounding to have been worked out of him. You have taken your punishment for disobedience and falsehood. Do not continue in such folly. Give me the name of the house elf who helped you steal your aunt's wand. Dobby's name was on the tip of his tongue. He didn't know why it didn't come out. He'd always been a coward. He would have thought it could only have been his mother's life, his own life on the line, 
and only a little pain would make him crumble to another's will, as so many other things had. An image flickered through his head, dreamy, ethereal, like a passing phrase of music, a light motif blowing through the air before disappearing. The look on Potter's face when he assured him dragons were real. I got it, Draco gasped out with that hideous illusion beginning to form that he was tasting blood in his mouth, despite the blows coming nowhere near it, and his back probably not splitting yet. I got it myself. No help! That earned Draco five more stings, dutifully countered by a voice that was starting to finally choke with threatened tears, before Father summoned the house elves, all of them. It was a sight Draco could never have imagined, his father willingly presenting his only son in such a tableau to their wizard's dozens of elves, all thirteen magically compelled to fill this small stone dungeon room and stare at Master Draco on his knees. Except maybe that meant to be a punishment to Draco's pride as well as body. Bad enough to be treated like this, but to let the elves see it was a further level of humiliation. Or... Father just might think it more likely Draco hand over the culprit if the little devil was right before him to sacrifice. Draco hated them. A row of twenty-six marble eyes in which Dobbies were only a slight, jarring break. He had never liked the homely creatures, and he liked them even less for their kind having fought to defend Hogwarts in the final battle against the Dark Lord, when Draco himself had not had the courage. Dobby was more of a hero than him. He was more used to Potter, and if Draco had to suffer a little more pain than he already had, it was nothing more than a raindrop in a hurricane. Let them stare. Let them watch their future lord be treated like them. Dementors had been less pleasant attendants. Which one? Father said, stepping away from Draco to prowl along the line of elves and gesture at them carelessly with his wand drawn. A name, Draco, and this is all over. Who is the one who violated the sanctity of this manor and let my underage son be magically bound to a wand I did not choose for him? Who, if you do not recall which of them, Draco, you need merely turn and point, and I can help you place a name to a face? Father's sarcasm had Draco shifting blearily on his knees to face them full on the gleam of their eyes in the dim dungeon like a lengthy set of stars set frostily above him in judgment. All their faces looked terrified, but that was harder to make out than the eyes. He tried not to look at Dobby longer than the others and hoped Father wouldn't either. Dobby's face was different than the other elves there. Not more fearful, precisely. It was hard to tell on an elf, but something closer to guilt or perhaps anger. None of them, father. I found the room. Father growled in frustration and banged his walking stick on the ground. Who? he demanded of the elves, and none of them said a word. Though Draco saw two of them jump back. More did, when father re-embedded his wand in the walking stick, the silver snake head sliding ominously back into place, and raised it over Draco's back. Huh. In Draco's memory... It usually took a little longer to progress from hexes to the cane itself, but it had been a pretty long time. Fuck! 
Draco spat at the eruption of draw-clenching pain that struck at his lower back and thudded through the rest of his body in an echo, an impact so racking it sent nausea clenching at his insides, worse than he remembered, worse than he could have imagined, except the second was worse yet. He lowered his face, not wanting to see the temptation of those creatures' faces, the temptation to lift a single finger in Dobby's direction and end this screaming agony in his back at the price of Potter's death, perhaps if it amused the Dark Lord at Draco's hands. He closed his eyes and tried to brace himself for the next strike, only for it to hit hard enough to send him face first into the stone, where he found himself vomiting, retching out nothing much but bile he hadn't eaten since morning, on stone so much like he remembered watching the brandy he had poured out for Vince pooling golden over, flowing smooth and hypnotising, and a world away from these helpless expulsions, corroding each time through all his lungs, burning at his chest and throat. The acid was as strong as if the very liquids in his body had been cursed and turned on him. He didn't know why it hurt so much. He sobbed and vomited and father raised his walking stick over him again. And maybe, if he was a different person, he would have reached for his wand. Maybe he should have, but he didn't. He just cowered on the ground and prayed for it to be over. It was Dobby! A high, clear voice proclaimed, with the sound of small feet pattering forward before the cane could fall. Dobby himself, who looked there for a moment, silhouetted in the shadows over Draco, like some small spindly gargoyle of an angel. Dobby told Master Draco about the wand. Dobby took Master Draco to the room. Dobby broke the glass and got Master Draco the wand. It is Dobby's fault, Master Lucius. Do not hurt Master Draco any more. It is Dobby's fault. Dobby, wait, Draco tried to say, heart sinking even as the retching slowed threatening to sink back down and choke all of his chest, because in an instant he'd lost. Potter had lost. Father was about to take that stick and get out the wand and a green light would... Of course it was, Dobby, Father said contemptuously, disobedient worm, and put his walking stick down. The other elves were silent. Draco could feel the terror as sharp from them as any room full of people with Voldemort angry within it. Father's power over them was just as absolute. But Father had lowered his hand. Draco grabbed his discarded shirt and tried to wipe his eyes, then his mouth, willing himself not to do anything to make it more likely for Father to kill Dobby. Draco just had to have a wand, which he would have gotten in a week anyway. The right wand! if he could have waited, to get into the cellars, which hadn't done him any good at getting home anyway. He'd wanted to get down here. Well, he and Dobby were in the cellars now, in the absolute pits, the depths of the lowest dark. But Severus in his mind smirked, and asked him dryly whether a wizard had been ever quite so ill-served by getting what he wished for. Dobby will not let Master Draco suffer any more to protect Dobby, Dobby proclaimed in a bolder voice, as noble sounding in that squeaky little voice as Potter himself, and Merlin, Draco had been right to call Dobby a Gryffindor. Oh, he will not, 
father growled and took Draco's stained shirt and flung it at Dobby, who caught it with widening eyes. You will get him into no further disgrace, because I will not have a house elf on these historic premises, who will disrespect them and endanger my son. Let this be a lesson to all of you. Follow my laws, or you too will be cast out into the cold. Dismissed. Father turned on his heel, and perhaps he would have gone then, to the popping sound of elves disapparating in the wake of witnessing one of their own receiving the worst punishment a master could give save death, perhaps, in most of their eyes, worse than death, but not Dobby's, and Draco was laughing. He couldn't help himself, laughing and laughing where he lay shaking on the floor, because he knew father could make awful decisions, and been weak or even cowardly, but he had never thought father could be this stupid. If father had truly wished to punish Dobby, and not just scare the others, and it had seemed real anger behind the punishment, he could hardly have picked a worse method to accomplish it. Perhaps Potter would survive his visit to Malfoy Manor yet. Whether Draco himself would survive his time here now felt a slightly less promising prospect, but all seemed likely to be well if only he could keep from giving the game away by laughing. But laugh he did, and couldn't stop. Never lie to me again, father snarled, before leaving Draco to his laughter. Master Draco, Dobby wailed, reaching down to help pull him up with flailing hands. Master Draco is hurt, but Dobby must leave. Dobby should be leaving already, but Dobby cannot leave Master Draco like this. Dobby will get Mistress Narcissa. No, Draco laughed, which turned to one cough and then another. No, not my mother. It's fine, it's fine. Don't whine like that. Aren't you happy? You're free. That's lucky, isn't it? Lucky father doesn't pay any attention to his house elves. Then again, Draco, until very recently, hadn't had reason to either. He's so, so stupid, Dobby. Be happy, you're free. Dobby stared at Draco with earnest marble eyes gone almost misty, helping to prop him up with a meticulous gentleness. Master Draco is so kind to Dobby. Master Draco is good. Master Draco, Draco, Draco Malfoy is like Harry Potter. Draco blinked, jarred by the name enough to fall, grasping against the wall in the threshold. Potter? No, I just... He couldn't exactly tell Dobby. He had tried to protect him for Potter's sake. You know Harry Potter? No, Dobby said excitedly, trying to help him along while, he, while holding on to Draco's sullied shirt like it was some great treasure. But Dobby has heard many tales of him, and how he defeated the Dark Lord, and Dobby is thinking great things of this Harry Potter. Good Lord. It was nauseating enough. Potter's endless inferi army of adoring fans. Now he had house elf fans too. I'm not, Draco told him, grabbing at his back as if holding it where it hurt might make it hurt less. He might try to do some spell on it if he could think of one, or reach quite at the pocket. I'm just... I can't help you any more, Dobby. You should go to Hogwarts. They will give you... will probably give you a job. Dumbledore, he... he might pay you to work there. Hogwarts, it's, it's a much better place than here. Draco Malfoy is going to Hogwarts soon, Dobby exclaimed excitedly.
If Dobby works at Hogwarts, Dobby can help Draco Malfoy and make sure Draco Malfoy does not get hurt like this again. Dobby will protect Draco Malfoy. No, Dobby, I, Harry, Harry Potter, he'll be there, he'll be, he'll be there too, soon. You should, you should go if you can, to look after, watch over him. Draco grabbed the wall again, world spinning, wondering with some detached Severus-like disgust if he was the one acting like a Gryffindor now. It was in his own best interest, though, however selfless any action might seem in the short term. He had a future he had to save, to keep things from being even worse for him and his mother. A future that needed Potter to kill the Dark Lord for them, and in that future, a lot of Gryffindor things had to happen. Dobby will watch over you both, Dobby proclaimed with astounding confidence, and it was only after Dobby had conducted Draco all the way past the dragons barking at his door that he said goodbye and apparated out of the manor as a free elf for the first time. Thank you for listening to this chapter of Draco Malfoy and the Mirror of Isidaru by Star Bridget.